Hey guys, a note before the episode today. On Thursday evening, that's November 2nd, Sam Bankman fried was found guilty of all charges. So that's all seven counts that he was charged for. Now, we've recorded this roll-up episode before the verdict dropped. David's in Europe. He's likely asleep, so we haven't had a chance to talk about this. But I'm pretty sure I speak for him when I say it feels so good to end this painful chapter in crypto. One year and five days ago, we hosted SBF on this very podcast on a debate with Eric Voorhees on crypto regulation, and it was an absolutely legendary debate. We arranged it after we heard from some friends that SBF was up to mischief in D.C. Apparently, they said he was greasing the pockets of lawmakers and working with them on a crypto bill that would make DeFi front ends virtually illegal. And effectively, this would be pulling up the ladder for decentralized finance and accruing more power for his exchange, for FTX, and doing all of this under the auspice of practicality. I remember the debate well, and at times it felt like SBF was almost giving us a lecture. We crypto natives didn't understand how to work with governments. Our values weren't practical. They couldn't win. They were too rigid. Here was a billionaire wonder kid who built one of the world's top exchanges in less than four years. And what did we know about building business and getting things done in D.C.? This is the tone of the conversation. Equally, I remember Eric Voorhees with eviscerating arguments and monkish precision. He argued to Sam that crypto is an open, permissionless financial system for the world. It's like the internet. It's like email. Any society that rejects this technology is a society that rejects fundamental freedom. I felt like Eric's moral clarity pierced through the bullshit like a knife through butter. And David and I watched as SBF absolutely withered under this approach. One thing struck me at the time. It seemed that crypto had made a grave mistake in entrusting so much to people like Sam who didn't share our values. I was so happy to trade them off in some calculated game of maximum expected value. But what I didn't know at the time was how grave that mistake would be. SBF, during the time of our recording, was actually covering up one of the biggest frauds since Bernie Madoff. By that point, at the end of October in 2022, he had gambled away over $8 billion in customer funds. I don't know what his long-term plan was. Maybe he was hoping for some way to last long enough to win it all back. Maybe he didn't have a plan. Maybe it was all hubris. But 11 days later, it would all start to come crashing down. I still, to this day, have no idea why he showed up to this debate 11 days before the fall of his kingdom. In fact, I think the debate itself may have been the spark that took him down. I mean, he must regret doing the podcast now, because in the hours and days after the debate, the crypto community turned on him. There was this sense of, of betrayal, of high alert, and it didn't take us long to sniff out the truth of his fraud. Massive credit to Coindesk for breaking the story of the Alameda balance sheet. Everything followed from there. Now, he's declared guilty in a U.S. court of law after hurting many people, doing incredible damage to this industry that we love. And I'm thankful we have a legal consensus process in the U.S. that afforded a fair trial and due process. I'm thankful that justice has been served. The values of SBF, and many of those like him in 2022, were a stage three cancer that we had to cut out at some point because if they persisted much longer, they would have been terminal. I'm thankful for the bear market for giving us the opportunity. I know that criminals and scammers will visit our industry again in the future, and I hope those of us who live through SBF will be wiser the next time. But above all, I think it's important that we remember the true hope of crypto. 
It's not in another set of bankers like SBF. It's in decentralized finance. It's in holding our own private keys. It's in running our own validator. It's in Ethereum. It's in Bitcoin. This is the real revolution. This is the bankless revolution, and it's just getting started. Protocols, not people. Code, not kings. Let's get back to going bankless. Hey, Bankless Nation, it is the first Friday of November. David, what time is it? Oh, Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere, nonetheless, into the frontier with coffee, but I'm not having coffee because it's 8.54 p.m. for me. No, That's probably neither the latest roll-up we've ever yeah. recorded. Okay, why, why, why is it so late? Because you're in a different time zone, right? Yeah, different time zone. Also, I took a flight. I was in Amsterdam this morning. I'm now in Lisbon for ETH Lisbon. Uh, flight was delayed, weather in Amsterdam, <laughs> blah, 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 new podcast setup. Here we are. This is crazy. And we've got like a new setup today. So we've been uh, tinkering yeah. around with that. So it's uh, it's a lot to get the roll up to you guys, but we hope you appreciate it. we got a lot of topics to talk about. What's coming up next, David, is Gary Gensler. And uh, he's coming after PayPal now. Okay, PayPal. Oh it's not even a crypto company, wow. but they're doing crypto things. So of course, Gary is the cop on the beat as usual. So we'll talk about that. What else? The Celestia mainnet is out along with the Celestia token, TIA, the token. How much was dropped? What is the market cap of Celestia? We're going to get to that. And of course, uh, it's Solana season. I don't know if you've noticed, Ryan, but the the narrative around crypto Twitter, around with uh, Solana Breakpoint going on, which is where I just came from, uh, the Solana people are, are very happy right now. Uh, Solana yeah. season is in. Well, that's because sold price is going up. So we want to talk about why that might be happening. I want to get your insight today. But before we get in, we got to shout out our friends and sponsors over at Doppel. Doppel, Doppel. wants to whack all the doppelgangers on the head. Mm -hmm. what, what do I mean by that, David? Explain Doppel. Yeah, so there is just a litany of phishing scams getting more and more sophisticated going around crypto so far. And I we, I just ran into one, uh, a, a doppelganger of our writer, Jack, who <laughs> went out to some organization saying, hey, we will totally write uh, articles about you in the Bankless newsletter. Just pay us money. It's uh, not the real Jack. It's not the, not the real Jack. Uh, Doppel is somebody that goes out and dops all of the doppelgangers. These are not real words. Uh, and prevents them from doing the things that would involve uh, your customers, your app depositors, anyone from losing money instead of giving it to you for your product. Uh, and so if you plan on having a successful app or if you do have a successful app, you should go talk to Doppel. That's doppel.com slash sign hyphen up. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes. Fight the fishers. Fight them back, all right? Nice. There's a free trial with that too if you click the link in the show notes. David, let's talk about the markets this week. Uh, where is Bitcoin looking on the 15th birthday of the Bitcoin white birthday? Yep. We just celebrated that on October 31st earlier this week. Well, tell us about the prices and we'll get to that. Yeah, so up 2.5% on the week, starting at 34,100. The last time I checked it, Bitcoin was 34,990. Hey. It's bounced off of 35,000 a handful of times, really trying to get up and above it and trying to hold it. Uh, it's it's flirted with being above 35,000. It's not totally ready yet, but man, it really wants to be there. Look at this. It's it's just, you know, that big candle on, I guess that was the the 23rd of October, yeah. around that time. Do we call that range. the Coin Telegraph ca candle? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's what it was, the Coin Telegraph candle. But we've maintained. That's what's impressive about the right. last week or so is that we've maintained. So we're up 2.5% on the week. And uh, let's talk a little bit while we're talking about Bitcoin about this momentous occasion. So 15 years 
is now 15 years after the first publishing of the Bitcoin white paper by a guy by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto. He released this white paper. The title of this is Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And it starts like this, the very first sentence. A purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. And of course- It's called a bank. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first bankless money system. We got to celebrate mm-hmm. that. And uh, of course, within, I think, about 60 days, 64 days, on January 3rd, the first bo- block of the Bitcoin blockchain was officially pushed out to mainnet. So a short time later. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin is doing its own celebration in the charts, too. Right. Have you looked at this chart lately, David? This is the uh, the Bitcoin dominance chart. Mm. Okay. And I think this is really interesting to look at. We are about 53% Bitcoin dominance at this point in time. So Wow, that's really high. Explain- Mark, so the market cap of all of crypto is 53% Bitcoin. Composed so of crypto, Bitcoin. Crypto is 53% Bitcoin. Wow, yep. that's definitely higher than it's been in a really long time, right? Yes, uh, but also... A lot lower than it used to be back in the heady days of uh, 2014. Bitcoin was about 99% uh, dominant. It was about 99% of all of crypto. And it's been down since then. But it's popping back up, okay? It's lows. Bitcoin dominates lows. It hit a low in 2017, late 2017, at the last uh, peak of the bull cycle at about 37%. Okay, that was a low in the dominance and then a few other lows in 2022 of about 40%. Now it's back up to 53%. So Bitcoin wow. on a tear in celebration of its uh, of its birthday. That is a two and a half year high for Bitcoin. Congrats to Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, you know who else was con- congratulating Bitcoin, David? Is this the, the person who was wishing Bitcoin a happy birthday? Yeah, it's our, it's our secret person, a big Bitcoin fan. Gary Gensler, he tweets what? out, if Satoshi... How dare if Satoshi he? Nakamoto went as Satoshi Nakamoto for Halloween, would we be able to tell? That's his hilarious joke. Happy 15th anniversary, Gensler says, to Satoshi's favorite white paper that started crypto. And then he oh, says I, this, I David. This. Then he says this. You're going to love this. Any crypto companies that are this. tricking investors should start treating them to compliance with securities laws. Oh, uh, he made it about him. <laughs> Ooh, I hate this man so much. Oh, the ultimate troll. I mean, you got to hand it to him, though. That is a pretty good troll it's, of the industry right there. Do you remember his uh, April Fool's troll? No. He put on the um, uh, the deal with it glasses on his profile picture. So the, <laughs> no, the current profile didn't. picture that, that you're currently seeing. He God. put the just deal with it glasses oh on. on God, and like to me, I was like, this isn't a troll. This is an admission of guilt. It made me so mad. He's like trolling the crypto community. He's like, ah, just deal with it. Why are our bureaucrats, like, why are our unelected, like, bureaucrats trolling us? Trolling us? Yeah. It's (laughs) It's so weird. Where is that in the job description? I mean, this this tweet is a troll. This is a trolling tweet. He is trolling us with his tweet. Any crypto companies that are tricking investors should start treating them to compliance with the securities law. Okay. But, of course, Bitcoin's okay. And he's celebrating uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, unbelievable. This is uh, Stanley Stanley Druckenmiller, though, had a good quote about Bitcoin on the celebratory week. Do you want to hear this, David? Yes, please. All right, let me play it. Um, finally, gold and Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm 70 years old. I own gold. Um, <laughs> I, I was surprised that Bitcoin got going. Um, but, you know, 
it's clear that, that the young people look at it as a store of value because it, it, it's a lot easier to do stuff with. Um, and 17 years, to me, it's a brand. I like gold because it's a 5,000-year-old brand, but the young people have all the money, <laughs> or <laughs> certainly uh, the ones on the West Coast, Coast do. So um, I like them both. Okay. I don't own any Bitcoin, to be frank, but I should. There you go, David. I, I don't, don't own any Bitcoin, to be frank, but I should. That is Stanley Druckenmiller, legendary Wall Street investor, hedge fund uh, billionaire worth about $6.2 billion. Um, too old for Bitcoin himself, he says. Uh, he likes gold. He respects the brand. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh too old for Bitcoin, but yeah. you know, kids love it. Yeah. Which is so funny, because this is what we were saying all of last bull market, is just like, yeah. as boomers hand down their wealth to the kids it's going into crypto yeah it's like it's like thanks mom and dad thanks grandma and grandpa you know where this money's going i don't have Straight a house but i'll have crypto of course yeah so and of course um then in january 3rd is when the bitcoin blockchain uh launched with this legendary headline from the times chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks mm -hmm. That's what this revolution has always been about from, from day one, David. A revolution to go bankless. Uh, speaking right, of we're which... We're going to end up repeating some of these bits of news in about Yeah, why not? Days. Why not? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, David, you want to tell us about the ETH uh, charts for the week? ETH price, yeah, not quite as exciting. Started the week at 1790, up a 1% on the week, over to 1810. Got up as high as 1860 uh, this week, um, but overall, just it's just quiet in ETH land these days. How about the ratio, David? That's not it's quite down. down. Yeah, I actually kind of wanted to kill the ratio, but like if I did it in this week, it would just be like you can't do it this week because it's just getting slaughtered. You can't, you can't. Wait, kill wait, the wait, ratio. wait. What do you mean kill the ratio? Like never, never. Just from, from the agenda. Uh, well, I don't. Uh, no, like I'm just saying. Like I don't know if the ratio is relevant to many people. Like it's kind of what you and I think of. But I can't, David, I can't kill it now because it's down so bad. Like, no, what? Okay, okay. Next, so, then we can kill it. Yeah, if you killed it now, it would be capitulation. It would, it would be, be complete. Yeah, yeah it'd be uh -huh. embarrassing. And but. By the way, I saw a tweet about this. I think someone tagged you and I. Maybe that's what you're referring to. Vance Spencer goes, only plebs oh, yeah. talk about the ratio. <laughs> the ratio, is, yeah. is that why you want to kill it? You don't want <laughs> well, to be Vance Spencer's pleb? <laughs> I did not see that tweet, but I can understand <laughs> the point of like, yeah, like it's a, just a narrow focus of what crypto is. I actually, I, I, think, I, just, I think we actually either kill the ETH BTC ratio or we add the ETH Solana ratio, which I also don't want to do this week. <laughs> I don't think so. I actually, I, th I think the ETH Bitcoin ratio is much more durable than people uh, want to, um, are thinking at this point Chris in the market. Chris Berninski likes it. Yeah. So, I think it's fantastic. According to Vance Spencer, Chris Berninski is a pleb. Do you hear well, that? Chris? You know what? Yeah, I we could start some beef on the Bankless podcast. I don't care. I'm gonna if you don't talk about the ratio, I'm gonna talk about the ratio. Yeah, I think it is still right. a very important metric, and we should keep sure. it in the roll up. Uh, sure. But let's talk about the cryptocurrency oh, the market. market yeah, market cap. What are we at on the week? Happy numbers. I think we were at 1.29 last week. We we're at 1.34 this week. So there is some healthy, sustained growth. In the total crypto market cap. I mean, that's what happens when Bitcoin dominance is like at 54%. David, tell me about some tokens that moved in the last yeah. seven days, one of which is uh, the SOL token. So yeah, 30 the other one's not a token. The other's not a token. Okay. 30% <laughs> on the week for uh, the Solana token and 62% on the mm -hmm. two week. So absolutely monster uh, movement 
for mm-hmm. for Solana. I think on the month that's about seventy two percent over the last thirty days. There's yeah. pretty uh, pretty crazy upside here. No, like Solana, this whole token, the Solana narrative is definitely taking a lot of the oxygen out of the room this week. Uh, it, it, over the, I've been at Solana Breakpoint for the past uh, like four or five days. And just generally as like a rule of thumb, when I open up my phone and I check prices and I'm like, oh, I'm about to refresh and the price is going to be higher. And then it is. And if you do that like six times in a row, that's when I start to call froth. And so I did that between the prices of like 40 and $44 of like, I'm just going to refresh it. It's going to be higher. That's froth. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, like it, it can like mellow out for a little bit and then go up later. But like, man, when you just know that you just refresh and it's higher and it is for five times in a row, that's froth. That, that's when you know. That's when you know things are getting frothy. Um, yeah. Is there an explanation for this? So this is from Vance Spencer. We we're just talking about him. He says this: "Always surprised there are people who actually short crypto." I think he's talking about people shorting Solana. Um, mm-hmm. Look at the Soul chart. Clearly, someone just got carded out. In my opinion, most crypto shorts are people trying to run a tradfi esque long short book. They think we are playing in the NBA, sir. We are playing slam ball in a bounce castle. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> slam ball in a bounce castle. Uh, what's going on here? David, is uh, is Vance implying that people are actually trying to s- short the soul token? Yeah, well, that's what he's saying. So $16 million of uh, Solana short is just like a lot of momentary buy pressure all at once, which is wh- what he is saying is like one of the reasons why soul price is going up, at least at least going up so quickly and so violently. Like it, it's going up, it went up in just like so much in like four to five days, but it's also been going up for like two weeks straight. Um and so like this, this one person who just like got liquidated on the short side of things definitely is helping with the soul price. Um, but, but also I would just say like Solana narrative is just like really, really strong right now, which is because of the price, which re- like actually feeds back into the price. Um, it's just soul season. Yeah. Um, tell me about the Solana conference. So you were there, uh, feet on yeah. the ground. So yeah. What was it like? What's, what's, what's the vibe? Yeah, so I went to the Solana conference, the Solana Breakpoint. This is the third Breakpoint. The first was in Lisbon, Fun Factors is where I am now, at 2020, 2021 when Solana price was like $250. And apparently it was just like uh, absolute just fest of money just flying everywhere. Somebody had the, some party had the cops roll up to the house and they were like, you guys can't have a party like this. And they were like, we'll buy the house. And the cops was like, that wasn't a solution. <laughs> Was that last? Anyways, that was, are you talking about last? That was, year that was 2021. That, oh, okay. that's, that was like in uh, December 2021, so like peak of the market. Um, anyways, uh, so this one it was in Amsterdam, uh, kind of outside of the city. Uh, maybe like 1,500, 2,000 people that were there. Maybe like 50, 50 um, community builders and investors. Uh, maybe maybe more on the builder side. Um, definitely kind of felt like uh, an inner circle of communities a community that had banded together that all felt like yo we are sitting on something really really like powerful here and really really cool um kind of felt like 2018 to 2019 ethereum when like you me and all the other ethereum people were like yo like there's something here and everyone else doesn't see it and that's crazy um except the salon people know that that's happened once before so like they i feel like they have a little bit more conviction um is kind of my my hot take um the archetype of people at the Solana conference is just like these low level engineers that understand the relationship between hardware and software. Like the, the at the point where hardware becomes software, like that intersection, like really low level engineers, like X, SpaceX, X, Tesla, X, Google types. Um, 
uh, yeah, I think that these are kind of all my hot takes. Uh, not even all that hot. Uh, just my like my sit rep. Like the reason why I wanted to go to the Solana conference. Like what what the hell is David doing at a Solana conference? <laughs> um, it, it just turns out like if you want to get a like a vibe check for what Solana is, like you don't do it through crypto Twitter because the Solana people on crypto Twitter are super toxic. Um, which is perhaps like uh, people like my's fault and something I'm working on. Um. Uh, so I just had wanted to go like drink from the faucet myself. Uh, and so I recorded an episode with Austin from the Asana Foundation in Anatoly. Uh, that'll be out on Tuesday, I believe. Out on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, very cool. Uh, there's also another big move around the week. It's not a token, though. It is a uh, coin, the coin. Uh, stock. So w- what's coin up to? And I believe as of our recording, because we're recording so late uh, mm-hmm. on a Thursday, um, the Q3 update the quarterly earnings report for coinbase has just been updated i don't know if that's reflected in the price of coin looks like we're up in the post-market trading um but yeah what's what's coin been doing lately i don't know if it is up uh it was up almost nine percent today pre-market and then as soon as oh it's down post-market it it dumped a bunch it dumped a bunch so yeah uh so it's down post-market but uh okay up 8.75 percent pre-market down four and a half percent post market, so still up like four percent on the day. Um, I guess it didn't totally like the the earnings um, earnings report, but overall, I would say just not not all that bad. I mean, it's up four percent on the day, so it was a good day. Uh, uh, so, I wanna... mean, so the the coin price has been up uh, just uh, five five percent on the week, so I guess pretty modest, but. Uh, I think just I've seen more and more people just pay attention to coin lately. All right, let's turn to some uh, bigger markets beyond crypto. Let's let's talk about US GDP because some numbers came in last week as well. So US GDP grew at 4.9% annual That's pace large. in the third quarter. That's a pretty big quarter. Look at this. That's large. It's kind of chunky. So last quarter, Q2 is 2.1%. The quarter before, 2.2%. This is a monster 4.9% quarter. Uh, compare that to, should I compare that to 2022? In the third quarter, it was 2.7%. 2021 was 3.3%. So pretty big quarter for yeah. GDP as far as uh, quarters go, David. Big plus one to uh, there's no recession happening. Uh, this is a big plus one to Fed is going to keep rates higher for longer because apparently the economy can take it. Um, I, li- I like the idea of not having a recession. That's good. Yeah, you're right about uh, the Fed because they did hold rates steady. So that was a decision that came in this week. They are holding the Fed funds rate between 5.25% and 5.5%. This is the second meeting in a row that they have held rates steady. Preceding that, though, the last 11 times before the last two times, um, they increased rates. So holding steady, and Powell said that um, the Fed is not considering or even discussing rate reductions at this time, I guess, especially back on a, a GDP for a quarter mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's what the Fed is doing, David. And switching back to crypto, though, let's talk a little bit about liquidity, in particular, stablecoin liquidity. This is a tweet from Nick Carter. What's he saying here, David? Nick Carter is calling the bottom of stablecoin supply. And if you've been paying attention to Bankless for a while, we kind of think that stablecoin supply in crypto is basically synonymous with liquidity. 
the number of dollars that we have in our industry is going to be a very strong indicator to how much in liquidity that we actually have. Uh, and so Nick Carter has the uh, chart um, from um, from the block, just of all the stable coins out there, Tether, USDC, DAI, uh, BUSD, and, and all the other ones. And I mean, it, it's been down ever since Terra Luna. Uh, and it went down really, really fast with Terra Luna. And then it's just kind of been slowly tapering out ever since then. It's been down. It's been down for like two plus years now. Uh, and it's looking like it's starting to go back up. And this is what Nick Carter is saying, is he is calling the bottom of stablecoin supply. And if you believe that this is, this is the bottom of stablecoin supply, hence, ergo, that liquidity in crypto is up only, what happens when you have more liquidity in your assets? They go up in price. That's what they do. More liquidity, higher prices. Uh, and so this has been something that we've said, along with our Jim Bianco a podcast, just like when you see stablecoin supply trending upwards, you can be bullish. You will have permission to be bullish. And so this is a bullish indicator. Yeah. So we are one step before we're, we're starting to see it increase, but maybe it's bottom. David, I wouldn't be surprised. Right at about $120 billion or so in total stablecoin supply. I would not be surprised if this market cycle, we hit a trillion. What do you think about that? Yes, I agree. I agree. Right, because right. I mean, what what's the one thing that has product market fit in crypto? It's stable coins, stable coins, and treasuries, and particularly if you include treasuries in that as well. Uh, David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, SBF takes the stand. I'll give you the recap. Did he land the hail mary? Place your bets. Uh, I know where I'm placing my bets. <laughs> Nick Carter versus the Wall Street Journal, Part Two. He is. Uh, He's, he's got a bone to pick, uh, and he has definitely picked it. Uh, and uh, there's just going to be so much more. A $2.7 billion mainnet drops. We're going to get to all of these details and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred crypto exchange for 2023. If you're getting bullish, you know where to express that. That's on Kraken. There is a link in the show notes <laughs> to get started with Kraken today. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade, and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect. But crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com slash bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to U.S. and U.S. territory customers by Payward Ventures, Inc., PVI, doing business as Kraken. Are you launching a token? Is it already live? How are you managing the legal and tax for providing token awards for your team. Toku simplifies everything about managing token grant compensation, and you can get started with them for free. You'll have access to top-notch legal and tax support to handle the distribution and management of tokens for your team. Toku caters to every step in the process, from user-friendly legal templates for granting tokens to tracking vesting periods and calculating withholding taxes. Toku understands every grant structure, token purchase agreements, restricted token awards, restricted token units, token options, and all the other ones. Toku is already simplifying this today for leading companies like Protocol Labs, DYDX Foundation, Mina Foundation, and many more. You can learn more about how Toku can help you streamline your token management and get started for free. Visit Toku at toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. Ryan, what are you showing me on my screen? I'm showing you a, a glorious picture of our friend, 
Actually, not our friend, uh, but not previous podcast guest. Let me just say that uh, <laughs> Sam Bankman Fried. He's on the stand. That is a the golem. cartoon drawing. I, I I don't think they quite captured his essence. I would he, say he's in this drawing got so much blush on. Wow. The hair's a little shorter. Hair's short, I don't know. Yeah. The the ears facial expression's not quite the same. Yeah, the ears are a little uh, <laughs> engorged. But here he is <laughs> on the stand. <laughs> what what was he doing on the stand? All right, this is a follow up from last week where apparently Sam's like thrown the Hail Mary pass, mm-hmm. probably against all the advice of his his lawyers, but maybe not. Maybe they're like, well, what does this guy have to lose? <laughs> Put him on the stand. <laughs> and so he gets up on the stand. What did he say, David? What on earth could this man say to us? Yeah, but first to really set the stage here, if you go on the stand, you get to spout your truth because your lawyer, your own lawyer, will underhand you all of the right questions. It'll be perfect. You can just knock them out of the park. And then the prosecution gets a turn. So it's <laughs> it's a it's a bargain that well, you got to make. But didn't he have to do this, David? Didn't he have to do a pre-show with the judge? It was just like him and the judge. They sent all the jurors out. I think that happened that, like that, last that, Thursday. That did happen. But that, that was like an anomaly. They're, they needed to like be able to determine which is valid to present the and jury What was with. admissible in court. Right. So the judge was like, eh, okay, I'll let this go. Right. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Okay. And so then he went in front of the jury, which is what we're talking about now. Yep, exactly. Okay. So last week, again, going back on Friday, uh, Friday, Thursday and Friday was when the defense, SBF's lawyer, was able to ask SBF questions. And so that was last Friday. We weren't able to cover that because we do weekly rolls on Thursdays. So that ended in a cliffhanger because SBF took the stand and was questioned by the defense. And the vibe that I got from just a handful of people doing reporting on that day was that Sam was extremely prepared, obviously, actually (laughs) did a good job of stringing coherent sentences together. And probably because he had his Adderall uh, (laughs) and was overall able to produce a nugget of convincing compassion for his side of the story. So huh. like this is the one moment where people were like, mm, maybe he did just F Maybe up. there's a chance. <laughs> maybe there's a chance, right. And this all ended on Friday. So after Sam was able to kind of give a more glowing perception of himself, on uh, the jury went away for the weekend. They were able to sleep on that for like what, multiple what, days. What kind of things was he saying? It's like, um, uh, oh, it's just, you know, growing pains, I, I heard exactly. someone say. Exactly. Or like, Oh, I, yeah. I delegated too much to the wrong people. I kind of lost mm-hmm. sight of, um, right. you know, what I was, how I was managing this. It, it was, was my was subordinates. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it was really unfortunate. It was an accident. Whoopsies. I've learned a Could lot, have a lot of to lessons. Anybody. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, at the very end of Friday, um, the judge ends by saying, okay, we're going to resume with Sam on the stand on Monday with the prosecution doing a cross-examination to which, yes. like, to which the prosecution said something to the effect of, Yes, we certainly will. It will be long and we are very interested in it. Oh my God. Basically, the, basically, the prosecution <laughs> is like, let's fucking go. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> Rolling dance. up their sleeves. All right, yeah. we're doing this. Okay, and Rubbing that was this week. And so, so next week comes and uh, the prosecution just gets to go after Sam Bankman Freed. And the prosecution apparently just had like layup after layup to herself. Basically. Do you know what? I... I- as a pro- as a prosecutor, I would be overwhelmed at like like there would be too what, many options. Too Where do many I even things start? On the shelf? Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. Apparently, there was just a, a number of times where like the prosecution asked Sam Bankman Freed about like, did you ever um, say this thing in this way? And like, mm. it was such a specific way of asking the question where like the entire courtroom and all the audience was like, oh, she's got something. <laughs> there's no there's no <laughs> way that Sam something. can answer anything without falling right into her trap. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so um, some of the, just some of the, the themes here, SBF increasingly relied on not remembering, especially as the day went on. Yeah, he said, I do, I do not recall in his answers 104 times and also answered, yep, 282 times. Wait, wait, 104? There was 104 I do not recalls on, on yeah. one day? Yes, on one day. On just That's on one day. And like, you know, you know the Sam Bankman Fried, the, yep, yep. Oh yeah. Yep. That. You know, like 282. Ima- imagine, imagine listening to 282 <laughs> SBF yeps just on Monday. No, I, I can't shoot imagine. me in the face. Uh, okay. So Sam denied that he and Caroline ever discussed the seven alternative balance sheets. Like Caroline claimed SBF's oh. version of the story was that uh, Caroline just sent him one balance sheet and it was referred to as all seven. Which she they she both must have made up reasonable. all the other six, huh? Yeah. She just didn't show him one through six, of course. Uh, He said that he did not know about Alameda's problems. He said Sam was surprised and concerned when he learned about Alameda's potential bankruptcy in June of 2022 due to a bug, and it had an $8 billion fiat liability to FTX. He was surprised to learn these things in June of 2022. Uh, He said that there were risk management mistakes said that mistakes were made at Alameda, not hedging against an investment in uh, some Bitcoin miner thing. That lack of hedging alleged uh, allegedly led to a loss of over $10 billion. Um, he denied the existence of a risk department at FTX and Alameda, and he claimed that he just trusted the wrong people, uh, blamed challenges like working at a startup. Uh, it was like building a plane while flying it, he said. Uh, he was asked about how Alameda Research was able to spend $8 billion of FTX customer deposits, and to which he responded, I deeply regret not taking a closer look into it. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> about that. <laughs> I bet he regrets uh, it. Yeah. Uh, and when the lawyer pressed him about the specifics of the $8 billion, SPF said, money's fungible anyways. I wasn't particularly <laughs> interested in trying to dole out blame over how and why the money was used at all. If there's one thing I know about Sam Bankman-Fried, it's that he definitely thinks money's fungible. It's like, oh, <laughs> yes. just like spend this money here and that money there. I mean, it's fungible. I mean, to be fair, I also think money is fungible, as you, David. Right. It's, it's yes. pretty hard yes. to argue with that line of uh, yes. <laughs> defense. <laughs> money but, is if fungible, I, but if I had an exchange, I would still consolidate accounts and separate them yeah. differently. Yeah. It's not or, a good answer to the question of where's our $8 billion, Sam? Yeah. Money is fungible. Well, money's fungible. <laughs> you know, the $8 billion is somewhere. It's fungible. Oh, man. I kind of wish I was there for actually that day of court uh, in yeah. particular. I don't know. Maybe yeah. some catharsis Of, of all the days in the court, this one obviously was the most well attended. Yeah. They, I think they had like three <laughs> or four spillover rooms. <laughs> Oh my God, I bet it was a circus. What <laughs> the heck is this though? We were just looking at uh, one drawing of Sam Bankman-Fried. This is a much right. more flattering version. Is this, this also is a re- Chad Bankman-Fried <laughs> with an absolute chiseled jaw and like kind of scruffy looking hair, yeah. looking buff. Yeah. Who drew this? Yeah, Are they did. looking at the same Sam? Yeah, it's much different that than this That is a version. real court drawing of Sam Bankman-Fried. Wow, okay. that's that's a very different Sam. That, these are different images. People people are taking some liberties in the in the drawings here. Um, all right, I want now, I want the, whoever drew, to drew this one to drew draw a picture of me. <laughs> Not if in anyone's court, listening. Not in court. <laughs> yeah, you have to go on the stand for that, David. No, no. Okay, um, fill us in. Nick Carter versus Wall Street Journal. Did they apologize yet? I haven't looked at this at all, so you're gonna have to fill me in. Okay, but last we mm-hmm. left things, the Wall Street Journal completely lied about crypto being tied up with Hamas and completely exaggerated. They said something like 
$90 million worth of crypto was transmitted mm-hmm. to Hamas. And it turns oh, out no, it's something like 130. Yeah, 130. 90 to 130. It, it turns out it was something like 450K. 450,000 yeah. when you go look at the blockchain data. Have they apologized for this yet? So they did do this super flaccid retraction, I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a confusing retraction. It was a, it was like a it was a correction, and yeah. they just were like really vague about it. And so it was like technically they retracted, but they really didn't. Like all of the harm is still on the table. Uh, what did they so, do? Then? I'm not even sure they. What? Did yeah, they if do you it? read what they say, it's just like confusing and doesn't actually provide any clarity about anything. It's just like they succumb to the pressure and they get to say like, look, we, we retracted. But then if you read it, it's like, you didn't, you just were confusing. This is very Anyways, confusing. This is a very long, this, uh, Nick Carter is not right. satisfied. And so yeah. what did Nick Carter do? He yeah. announced that there, he's going to have $500 in Bitcoin bounties, uh, open-ended bounty. So anyone can apply for this. It doesn't like, there's more than one, uh, for the 20, uh, for 21 best open source analysis of the facts surrounding the wall street journal Warren letter. He's actually given out 28 bounties so far. So he increased the 21 because our intelligence also joined, uh, the effort to fund this. And so this has turned into a mutual pot to finance the investigation of truth around the details of Hamas's reception of crypto assets using the blockchain, because we have this amazing tool called a blockchain that allows you to audit this. Hmm. Uh, and so there's just been some incredible data that has come out um, from people, just open source uh, investigation of uh, of the, the exact flow of funds that went to Hamas. Uh, so this is just one of many people of the people that have put an investigation together. Uh, it is very, very detailed. Brian, if you scroll down, you can um, uh, you can kind of just what show. Is this? All what am I looking at? Yeah, just like I don't. This is just like a map of transactions. Very thorough. Uh, it takes some takes some skills to really put some of this together. Um, so this this one particular tweet that we're showing is one of twenty eight, and I'll just read two lines here. Um, that that this one particular person came to the conclusion of where they said, according to the Wall Street Journal, wallets connected to Hamas received about $41 million over a similar time period, an arbitrary time period that uh, the Wall Street Journal said, um, which was proven false. In reality, that account connected to Hamas has only received about $250,000 in total during that same time period. So just like really good grassroots investigation because Nick Carter and a few other people are putting up a pot of money to actually do real research not like Elizabeth Warren cares because she's like doubling down. Wait, wait. So she's not apologizing then? She's not retracting anything? Oh, this is, uh, we have got a clip of Elizabeth Warren. I actually haven't looked at this. Should we play this? Last year, you wrote that, quote, in their attempt to avoid being traced, illegal actors have adopted ever more sophisticated cryptocurrency technologies, such as non-custodial <laughs> wallets. Non-custodial you wrote that wallets. Hamas uses right. non-custodial wallets to evade detection. Do those wallets pose a particularly high risk of attracting terrorists and other oh, very God. dangerous people? Thank you for the question. Uh, it is important, uh, perhaps if I may, just to refer to your earlier comments about the funding of Hamas. 
Uh, the major funding of Hamas, unfortunately, the, the current sanctuary regime is far from being sufficient. And most of its budget and funds are still going through the traditional channels. And I want to put that clear because crypto is a problem, but this is not the major problem. And we have to look you know, on other traditional channels like banking and, and exchanges and money exchanges and cash and so forth. So let's not. Okay, here's that. an expert actually telling her yeah. that uh, the problem isn't crypto. The, the problem right. is like the traditional banking system. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, have, we, have, we have a second back. Better clip. So let's listen to, to the okay. next clip of the same person. Let's don't lose sight and focus from the big picture. Crypto is currently a very small part of the puzzle. The major funding channels are where and remain state funding, Iran and others. That, those are the major players. Most of the funds are still being transferred by the traditional channels that we all know from the past. Banks, money transmitter, payment system, Hawala, money exchange, trade-based uh, tourism, financing, charity, cash, shell companies, and crypto. The effort should be global and focus on imposing global sanctions on Hamas and their sponsors, as was the case with ISIS. Well, there you go. She got Liz Warren just got told to calm down inside of Congress by the person that she was asking to basically like help her say that it's crypto. Yeah, And like you, you mentioned this during the first clip, Ryan, like she's going after the self-hosted wallets. She's good. Yeah. She's trying to blame this on self-hosted wallets, which also ironically, a lot of the funds, the actual funds, the $450,000 funds that went to Hamas went through centralized exchange, exchange Not even self -hosted got wallets. frozen. That got oh, frozen. She just wants an opportunity to just slam self-hosted wallets, bankless, bankless wallets. But this right? isn't the opportunity. Is the thing. There's no opportunity for her here. I know. All I of know the cards no are on our side. I, I'm just worried that when there does come a time when a self-hosted wallet is culpable in some sort of transaction, mm -hmm. she's going to go right after it. Like you know, like she's yeah. she's primed to do that. This was, by the way, that expert was um, Dr. Shalomit Wagman who set the record straight on uh, terrorism and its non-relationship with, with crypto. So um, excellent job there. So uh, what's Nick Carter saying here, David, in this tweet? Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, another article about this, uh, about the same issue. So the article says, since the Hamas attacks of October 7th, the most prominent public crypto fundraising campaign has been operated by Gaza Now, a pro-Hamas news organization. However, only $21,000 in cryptocurrency has been donated, donated since October 7th. And thanks to the effort of crypto businesses and researchers, much of this has been frozen, preventing Gaza Now from being able to use these funds. On October 9th, Gaza Now sent around $2,000 of the donated crypto to an exchange, presumably to cash out, where it was promptly frozen. In addition, around $9,000 in stablecoin donations were frozen by Tether, the stablecoins issuer. Crypto is the most, is the worst platform to do terrorism stuff. It will just get frozen because it's stablecoins, which are going to get frozen, or it's centralized exchanges, which are going to get frozen. Like, again, all of the arguments are on our side here. No, 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 I get it. I get it. the facts and circumstances this time around. I think in a future time, it, it could yeah. be just straight Bitcoin. It could be straight Ether. It could be no, um, actually, no actually, ability like not, to not freeze to stable it. coins, like yeah. die. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that this, uh, you know, apparatus, this, this kind of like push in DC from the anti-crypto army 
is going to attack it. They're just they're just waiting for it. The, right. the, they're primed to attack. Right. Crypto well, that's why I think that um, I'm so thankful that Nick Carter is like digging in the knife on this one because it shows the cards of how yes, dishonest and yes. how much of a, an agenda that, that, that Liz Warren has. Part. So when in the future, when there's like rampant privacy everywhere on crypto, which is the version of crypto that I see, we will be able to go and say like, you just hate crypto. Like, I even, just don't even understand. If, like, I, yeah, look, it's meant ha- Hamas is using the internet too. I mean, they're using right. TCP/IP, right? Like, uh, come on, I, I, they're using all sorts of technology. Technology is neutral. Um, I don't know that that that's an uphill battle with with this group. But David, we are making some progress on one particular issue, and that particular issue is something that we brought up last week. Do you remember mm-hmm. there was a regulatory fight with the IRS again coming from the Elizabeth Warren camp, anti crypto army? The IRS had a massively uh, anti DeFi interpretation of some regulations, and our role as the bankless community, as a crypto community, was to comment. On their comments page, well, we needed, we needed ten thousand comments to extend the deadline by one year. And you know what we got, David? We got twenty five thousand comments. That's that's more than ten thousand. <laughs> this is a tweet. Over twenty five thousand comments have been received by the IRS regarding their broker rulemaking proposal. Over twelve thousand posted to the docket on regulations.gov. Clearly, a sign that something is wrong with the proposal. This is the most popular the IRS has probably ever been <laughs> in, on its comment page, and uh, we did that. We played a role in that. So hopefully, they are hearing the crypto community. Mm-hmm. They're hearing U.S. citizens loud and clear. Um, unfortunately, the last opportunity to comment about that was October 31st. But fortunately, many of you did because we got 25,000. And that is how we have our voices heard on this on this particular issue. So what they choose to do with it is up to them. uh, But uh, we will keep you guys informed of the next steps. Ryan, you remember from the episode that we did where we did this big call to action? They have to read every comment. <laughs> yes. The, the comment I submitted was like six paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, well, it, was, it was an AI submission, which I love too, by the way. So well, like, they, they, Whatever. AI's I set mine thing. just like a hair below spicy, by the way, in my- uh, Oh, mine was very comment. spicy. Yeah, oh, you spiced it up? Oh, well I done. spiced it up, dude. <laughs> David, what else are we covering today? $2.7 billion mainnet just dropped. That doesn't happen every day. We'll talk about which one. Uh, what does Elon Musk have to say about NFTs? Huh. And also- why does Elon Musk want everyone to go bankless in under one year? <laughs> he charges his employees with helping everyone go bankless in just one year. What is going on? I kind of like the sound of this. And also, remember Safe Moon, Ryan? Yes. No. Well, it turns out yes. it was not safe, nor did it moon. Uh, <laughs> the execs got arrested by the Department of Justice for misappropriating users' funds and manipulating the market. I am just shocked. We're going to get to all of these details and more, but first a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. If you've not opened up your MetaMask Portfolio, what are you waiting for? Go try it out while you listen to these sponsors. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi. And now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore. With competitive rates and convenient routes, MetaMask Portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks. 
And all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go. From there, MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. All right, David, tell me about that $2 billion mainnet what are we looking at here? Celestia, congrats on the mainnet launch. What is Celestia? It is a data availability network. It is a chain that is meant to do one thing and one thing extremely well, which is provide data availability or data publishing as we are calling it now. Um, and so this uh, Celestia, the Celestia thesis is highly synonymous with the roll-up thesis. Uh, Celestia mm -hmm. thinks that there's going to be thousands and thousands and millions of roll-ups and it wants to sell them data availability. Uh, we've already seen uh, a roll-up platform like Eclipse use Celestia for data availability. And the idea is like the more uh, roll-ups that get data availability from Celestia, the more fees that it generates. Uh, it's also got this whole like light node optimization uh, emphasis. Uh, we'll have to go down the Celestia rabbit hole. There's an episode I did with Nick White, the CEO, founder of Celestia forever ago. Anyways, the token, TIA. Uh, why TIA for Celestia instead of CEL? I don't know. Um, CEL is also Celsius's token, so maybe that's the reason. <laughs> that's probably Anyways, why, dude. That's probably why. Uh, 580,000 people received the airdrop. Uh, the current price of TIA is around $2.58, which is coming in at a fully diluted valuation, the last I checked, at $2.7 billion. So it's not every day that $2.7 billion just gets minted out of thin air. So uh, congratulations to anyone that invested or has worked on or received the airdrop of Celestia. Yeah, and congratulations to anyone who lives in the U.S. and who was protected by this airdrop from our friend. Yeah, Gary this Kessler. dangerous, dangerous airdrop. Could not access it. Uh, couldn't VPN in. Nothing. Could not right. get it. Have to cross the border to Canada, I guess, so to get your air. I legitimately thought about it was like, yo, I could just Uber to Canada for like <laughs> less, less than really? the cost. Of get my airdrop and get out real quick. Um, yeah. uh -huh. All right, David, uh, Safe Moon. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. I, I barely remember Safe Moon. This was some meme coin in 2021, yeah. 2022. Is that is that it? Yeah. Yeah. This is how we knew the markets were frothy. I mean, kind of in hindsight. Uh, it's literally called Safe Moon uh, because it safely. It's a safe bet that it goes to the moon. It's in the title. Yeah, it's in the title. <laughs> Who uh, is shilling this? Like some big, like, was Dave Portnoy TikTok no, accounts. No, it was TikTok this? accounts. Uh, uh, TikToks, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, it has a mechanism that like when you make, when you transfer it, it burns a part of it. So it's like pumponomics. Yep. Anyways, uh, the Department of Justice arrested and charged the exec team with perpetrating a massive fraud on its investors. 
Uh, the SEC also targeted them for offering unregistered securities. You know, I'm not going to get in, the, in front of the SEC on this one. It's like, you guys, you no guys problem. Take these people That's away. what you get should do. Get them out. Thanks, SEC, yeah. SEC on that. Yeah. Take the bad with the good. It's mostly bad, but I guess there's a little bit of good here. What what did the execs do here? I, I'm reading a line here. Apparently, they withdrew more than $200 million from the project. That's the Safe yep. Moon execs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They're charged with conspiracy to commit securities fraud, com- conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and money laundering. Yeah, you, anyone who does this also is def- totally money laundering. They're not paying their taxes. Uh, <laughs> and, then they, and then they misappropriated investors' funds for personal use, um, a sports, uh, a Porsche, other luxury re- uh, vehicles, real estate, um, some other bullshit, I'm sure. Anyways. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, it would be nice if the SEC spent more time doing stuff like that. But there are hey, you know, tip of the hat. Tip of the Others hat. More of this. More yeah. of this. A tweet from Brian Armstrong says, "Working hard on the Coinbase wallet. Our ambitious goal is to get the average transaction under one second. One second end to end, instant, cheap, and global." I think he's using the magic, the power of layer twos to do that. He's actually mm-hmm. showing a demo here in this tweet. Don't blink. It says, "Is the Coinbase wallet transacting?" Uh, looks like sending maybe some ETH somewhere. Yeah, sending some yeah. ETH somewhere in a second. Yeah, ETH between uh, Arbitrum and Base, so two layer two chains. Nice. Um, and then there's there's a, probably like five or seven different routes to do that. And then the Coinbase wallet is just obfuscating it because you have cryptographic assurances for layer twos. You have inclusion insurances. And so what can a wallet do? They can just make it snappy. Um, there's like so much juice to squeeze uh, left in the interoperability layer between layer twos and stuff like this, just like the front end UX is is one of them. I love to see exchanges cozying up with uh, layer twos. This is a Kraken with its own ETH deposits mm-hmm. and withdrawals now supporting ZK Sync. This mm-hmm. is, I believe, the first major exchange to support the ZK EVM and maybe the first to support a, a ZK rollup, David. So I pretty big right. Kraken moving into that, and it's fantastic. Other stuff in uh, Kraken land, uh, their their Formula F1 NFT car finally got revealed. <laughs> and so they had this like promo video of these race car drivers like talking about the NFTs that are, it's all like on the spoiler on the end. The, so when they, these F1 cars are driving really fast, the spoiler pushes the air this up. This is the thing the we were talking about, where you could get your uh, NFT yeah. on the back of this car, right? Yeah, sadly, my dick butt did not get <laughs> I don't yeah, know how back. sad that is. <laughs> I think some of these race car drivers are pretty happy. They don't have a dick butt. We, don't need, we don't need to listen to the race cars, but like one uh, the, in the video, one race car is talking to the other one. It's like, yeah, I put this NFT on it because it's super distracting for the driver behind me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yours. Which is probably true. <laughs> Speaking of NFTs, Elon Musk said something about NFTs uh, earlier this oh, week. Oh, super positive, right? Uh, well, let's hear but I mean, NFTs. The funny thing is that the NFT is not even on the blockchain. It's just a URL to the to the, the JPEG. So it's not even like it's like you should at least encode the JPEG in the blockchain, because like if the URL, if the company housing the image goes out of business, you don't have the image anymore. All right, David. Uh, trivia on that is Elon Musk right about that? Is an <laughs> NFT just a pointer? The NFT, uh, the JPEG itself is not on the blockchain. Is that uh, is that true? That that is yes and no. For, first, before I answer that question, I just love Joe Rogan's just like. It's like, <laughs> it's like those <laughs> NFT scammers. It's they not got even us on again. The chain. Yeah, <laughs> not even on the chain. This whole time we thought it was on the chain. It's not. Yeah. Did you think it was on the chain this whole time, David? 
No, of course not. Uh, this is why NFTs like autoglyphs are so cool. They're not only are they on-chain, but they're generated natively on-chain. Um, there are a good, strong selection of on-chain NFTs. Um, smaller NFTs, like uh, pixelated ones, for example, CryptoPunks, for example, are on-chain. Fully um, on-chain. Even, fully on-chain. Even like the, the JPEGs The, the JPEGs on-chain. The JPEG yeah. is on the chain. So you, and it's usually it's oh, not a JPEG. It's like sometimes it's a vector file, right? It's like an SVG yeah, it's an SVG. file. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, okay. they're, they're lower data. Um, okay. So there, there's like 20 of them. Um, uh, shout out uh, Treasure, the Treasure um, uh, Small Brains. Those are on-chain. There's just like a good handful of uh, NFTs are that are on-chain. Um, there's also like NFTs. Like I have a couple, no, I have like 12 NFTs made by my buddy Nate Moeller who... The NFTs themselves are um, like 1.2 gigabytes a pop, yes. uh, and those are not on chain. Those are actually stored on Arweave, and so the, using the modular uh, blockchain thesis, data on Arweave, NFT on Ethereum, NFT points to Arweave, and then I can get my data from Arweave. And Arweave um, is is a decentralized storage, storage. layer. Okay, right. so it's not quite as kind of decentralized and and secure as something maybe like Ethereum it doesn't quite right. give you those uh, guarantees, but it is much cheaper. It's it's optimized to store large files, and it's certainly Forever, much yeah. better than a cloud uh, provider, an AWS, or something like that, or what mm-hmm. what Elon was talking about, a company that could go out of business, right? So right. that's kind of an interim type step. With a lot of mm-hmm. NFTs are are stored on Arweave or IPFS. Right. And it's also just important to remember, what is an NFT? An NFT is a file format. You can put a URL there. You can put an actual image there. You can put a pointer to another token or something else. Uh, So yes, Elon, you're actually mostly wrong. Um, You're kind of right, but you're mostly wrong. Yeah, kind of right, but like the spirit of that, I feel like is uh, is mostly the wrong. spirit is wrong. Uh, you know, David Elon always the ambitious individual. He gave his employees at X, that is uh, formerly Twitter, one year to create a system on X that replaces the banks. Do you know, he got he oh. got a start over at PayPal, right? right. That's what, I think shortly after that, he Which bought Which he wanted to call X, by the way. He, he wanted to call X. He got, he got the X.com uh, domain after that and, and now wants to, it seems like, turn Twitter into a financial platform. So the quote is, when I say payments, I actually mean someone's entire financial life. If it involves money, it'll be on our platform, money or securities or whatever. So it's not like send $20 to my friend. I'm talking about you won't even need a bank account. How do you think that's possible, David? As uh, no bank account. Yeah. I don't know how he does this without crypto. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. And I actually think when he says no bank account, he actually means there's going to be a bank account somewhere, unless he's using right. crypto. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, PayPal, PayPal definitely has a bank accounts, right? I mean, it's all yeah. kind of connected. You have to have a bank account. And I, I think he is getting a broker-dealer money transmission licenses across uh, the U.S. right now. So, I mean, like, no bank account this in air quotes here. This is kind of the version of crypto that I don't want, which is that we use the power of crypto to just make a new banker. I don't want Elon Musk to be my banker. I don't think he's He should just focus crypto. on cars and Mars. And I, I, cars and Mars. I don't think he's using crypto here, right? <laughs> Like I, I don't think I, I don't know what this means, but I think stripe? It's, just stripe only. I think it's just a, a fintech play. If he starts oh, using crypto, that. if he starts using like um, stable coins or something like that, then I think this gets a bit more interesting and a bit I more bankless. If he if he makes this fintech dominant X platform, it becomes very ripe to hook crypto into it in the back end. I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
but um, I don't know if he's there yet. Still uh, prefer crypto. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of PayPal, by the way, so PayPal just received a subpoena from the SEC. Uh, wow. Apparently, they don't like what PayPal is doing with their PYUSD. This is a stablecoin product. Remember Nick Carter came on the show? We did an entire episode on stablecoins. Mm-hmm. He told us a little bit about PYUSD. And according to Nick Carter, uh, PYUSD is actually offers even better settlement and security guarantees than the PayPal dollars in PayPal. Yeah. than actual deposits in PayPal, but something about this, the sec doesn't like maybe because it's tokenized. Gary Gensler thinks he gets to control it, but uh, they're in the process of subpoenaing PayPal right now over this. So that's the state of things, David. (laughs) Absolute rampage. David, one of our favorite sites for a while has been uh, dune analytics. This is anybody, anybody can create a, like open uh, source metrics board to gather any on-chain data. And now they are re- releasing Dune AI. What is this, David? So this is using large language models like ChatGPT to be able to query and parse Dune's data. Uh, and so this is, I think, just making Dune's data much more accessible. Uh, we, as uh, plebs, Ryan, are <laughs> beholden to people like Hill Dobby and Data Always to put Dune boards together for us. And I they think they know SQL and we don't. We are right, non-SQL exactly. plebs. Exactly. Uh, but now we are uh, large language model users, which makes <laughs> us uh, Dune gods, I guess, yeah. is kind of the idea. Uh, and so in, you can just go to Dune and type in your query, hopefully, and then all of the Dune data that's parsed will be able to spit back out so whatever you are looking for. Like here's the example. Uh, what are weekly ZK sync transaction volumes this year? You can plug that in, in, you know, just language, just normal human, right. like English language, and then it will spit back a chart for that. That is pretty right. magical. So this is actually something that we learned during our travels at Bankless Ventures. I want to parse Mm. something out here. Uh, There is the data that Dune has parsed and purified and made ready for people to query. And then there is all of the data on the blockchain. Dune does not have all of the data on the blockchain. Data on the blockchain is like this unrefined, extremely crude like oil that needs to go and be refined so people like Hill Dobby or Data Always and you know these Dune Wizards can actually yeah, it's true. together. And it's so true. we are not actually scaling out there's no new data. Dune doesn't have any new data. The current data that Dune does have parsed is now much more easily um queried which is still incredibly them. powerful but you can't yeah. do things like how much money did Hamas uh, receive in right. crypto assets? Like you couldn't right. ask a question, like you wouldn't be able to answer a question like that. Right. So Dune still has to manually kind of parse and purify data on the blockchain to be able to present it through its LLM. This is how I understand this. Yes. Uh, speaking of Bankless Ventures, by the way, David, one of our portfolio companies, Modulus, just announced their raise. And the reason we're including this is, of course, is it presents a future possible conflict of interest and also because we're pretty excited about the Modulus project. So what is Modulus, David? So Modulus is in the ZKML space, that is zero knowledge machine learning. Uh, and so this is a bet that there will be a ton of machine learning models out there. And what can you do with ZK? Like machine model learning models, very big sets of data. Like imagine how big the data is behind ChatGPT. It's like 100 gigabytes. Um, you can ZK that LLM or that, that machine learning model, and then you produce a proof of that, and then you pr- pr- uh, put that proof on chain. In the world in which there are extremely valuable models out there to use across all different circumstances, 
it would be really useful to have a proof that you are actually using the correct model and actually being served the correct output of that model. Uh, and so this just is, it's like an authenticity authentication layer for models and making sure that you're not getting man in the middle attacks if you are a consumer of a model. And so it puts all models into a ZK proof and puts it on chain for verification. And then so you can attest that the output of the model that you are paying for or subscribing to or just need for whatever reason is actually the, using the correct model. And so it's using, it's kind of like using Ethereum as like a, an Ethereum attestation service type of use case. And so there is like the external needs for authenticity but what's really cool about this, what really got my imagination going, is when the outputs of one ZKML model can also engage with the outputs of another ZKML model natively on-chain. So you can start to think of this as like on-chain uh, ZKML Legos that can be composed together, which gets really interesting when we talk about the world of fully on-chain universes, fully on-chain games, and they need to go out and like query a model as a part of their universe. Like, oh my God, imagine that. Uh, and so that's why that's why I'm super stoked about Modulus. Congratulations on Modulus for the race. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, where are all the apps? That is a question from one of the members in the Bankless Nation. Ryan and I are going to tell you exactly where all the apps are. <laughs> we are totally where are they present. hiding? Where are they hiding? Yeah, we're also going to talk about what we're bullish on. So stay tuned for all of that. But first, a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. You know Uniswap. It's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap Wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap Mobile Wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit it lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Question from Galena this week from the Bankless Nation. Most of the projects highlighted are infrastructure-focused, but where are user-focused apps that have a true practical application and solve a pain point? Where are they even being built right now? Where are the apps, I think, is the question from Galena. Do you have an answer for that? Yeah, crypto has been in this like infrastructure phase for like ever, and the application phase is something that I would love to get to. Where are all the apps is kind of like a really good question. We had friend.tech. We had one good one. Um, we need like a lot more. 
kind of the big use cases that are definitely successful in crypto are stablecoins and non-sovereign store values. And after that, I don't know if there's really a good, <laughs> like friend tech is like sixth and there's nothing that's three through five. Um, where are all the apps we have? We, I would say in the year 2023, blocks based supply, supply of blocks based is no longer an issue. We need the apps. Um, we, like we are in this kind of, we should be having an existential crisis as an industry of just like, you know, we have all the infrastructure, but no one's building anything on the app layer, WTF. That's kind of what I would say is the state of the industry. That's also what I would say is the state of uh, the the Solana conference I, I went to. Like the the Solana, what they are delivering as their infrastructure layer is like, I don't know, apparently really crazy. What they're saying they can do is like, oh, that's, that's insane. Like the whole like token 2022 package. Really cool. No apps. Every, no ecosystems got apps. Yeah, so the, the way I tee this up uh, and talk about this is, um, for, first of all, I'll lay out the, the concern, right? Because I'm also... It's also been on my mind. Uh, I tweeted this earlier this week. I'm no longer worried about the scalability problem for crypto. Now it's the opposite. We have too much block space chasing too few apps. What apps will consume all this cheap block space? I feel like we go in this um, feast or famine type of phase with with crypto. Mm-hmm. Where Actually, if you remember last cycle, uh, we had so much activity that our transactions cost like $30 to right. do something on Ethereum, right? That's so like maybe too many apps and not enough block space. Now we have all of this block space. You were just talking about all the cheap uh, Solana block spaces coming down the pike. We have all of this cheap layer two block space too. And it's just getting cheaper. It's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And it's going. It's becoming more and more plentiful. So now we're in the, uh, the feast portion of things. And the big question is like, what are the apps? And the way I think about this, David, is there's like really two schools of thought. There's like um, the many app thesis and the few app thesis. I would say the few app thesis, one of the, the best analysts on this is Plenia. Uh, and I, I would also maybe extend this to to Vitalik a little bit, but but Plenia basically says, you know what, most of the apps, and this was, I would say, part of the bankless thesis from uh, 2019 and 2020. Everyone, if you remember the 2017 crypto cycle, we thought we were going to disrupt uh, Uber with a decentralized Uber. Right? Uber That's what people are saying. Like the world computer, we're going to like take over AWS as well, Okay. And I remember part of the refresh for me in 2018, 2019 was being like, uh, what is this crypto thing actually useful for? And the thing I came away with was money, finance, going bankless. And these are still the king apps. It's non-sovereign store of value. So it's like a gold type of object, um, Bitcoin, let's say, or Ether as a, you know kind of an internet bond, a non-sovereign store of value. So we got that, check the box. You mentioned stable coins. That's another uh, DeFi is another, so decentralized finance. I mean, Uniswap overtaking the volume of some of our major exchanges has been a clear success. Uh, DeFi, Aave, Compound, these things did fine when all of the centralized collateralized loan providers in 2022 uh, faltered. So we do have some wins and we do have mm-hmm. some apps, but they're mostly in the finance category. And then NFTs, right? That is like property, it's still an asset. So the apps primarily have come from the finance category of things. Um, and Polenia says that's pretty much the sweet spot for crypto. It's high value, money, financy types of applications. There's not going to be a lot else. So what you should do, crypto, is focus the UX on this, this, this niche and get it really good and then onboard the world that way. That, I would say, is the... Um, 
the few apps type thesis. And then there's others that are maybe the many app type thesis. I would say, um, you know, Chris Dixon from um, A16Z is probably this, like the folks at uh, Variant Fund, Lee Jin, who we had on the podcast earlier is probably like many app thesis. And they believe a bit more in kind of a on-chain social web three type of world where we're going to have a lot of consumption uh, of this block space that we just can't imagine right now. So that would be more along the lines of friends.tech types of things, or even, you know, we were looking at that song.tech, like just things that are new, things that we can't imagine uh, right now. I would say for myself personally, um, I I still think we're in that, uh, that, you know, we're in the famine phase for, apps right now, but we're in the feast phase for block space. And so this is where we get to actually test to see how many use cases there are for crypto beyond these kind of simple money cases. I think there'll be more than we expect, but maybe not as much as the Uber bulls who think we're going to put like Uber on chain 2017, uh, (laughs) think there are. So that that's how I'd answer that. Is it too much to ask for feast feast? Feasts and feast, blocks feast? and feast and apps. No, we never get that. Nothing's ever perfect, no. David. Not in crypto. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. So you know, it, one, one thing I'll add to this is Vitalik wrote a post about this in 2022 that you can go read. He, mm. he, he names a few apps. Money. He says right. that's the first and still the most important app. Uh, and then he, yep. And then he talks about DeFi, uh, yep. which we named there. Identity, which we really haven't talked about. And that's an up and comer. So ENS. Oh. Proof of Humanity, POAPs, Soulbound Tokens, that kind of thing. Uh, DAOs, maybe they're nascent as well. Right. Again, this is a capital formation structure. Don't hurt me again. And that's, that's, that's what he mentions. And by yeah. the way, all of those use cases, guess what, David? They were in the Ethereum white paper. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. That, that veers more towards Plenia's line of thinking. Of right. like, it's a few use cases that, that blockchain and crypto is it's highly tuned for. Very valuable for the world, but it's just not everything. I'm firmly in the many apps camp. All right. I think if you can have a fully on-chain game, fully on-chain universe, a fully on-chain like state machine inside of a state machine, that is that's like infinity. If you can re-stimulate a world, that's infinity apps. That's my take. In the fullness of time, though. In maybe. the fullness of time. Right. Yes. How yeah, long yeah. does that take to actually play out? It might take a lot longer. Oh yeah, than- like yeah, like like ten plus twenty years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, take of the week, David. This is your take. Okay. It's the only take we got. So, so give it to us. This we is the only take. This is this is also okay. I'll, I'll, this is also what I'm bullish on, but it comes in two parts. Okay, we're so looking at a money ball it, here. Yeah, what are we looking at? Money ball. Yeah. So we're looking at a graphic that I put together. This is coming out of a slide for a talk that I'm giving at, um, at Fabric Ventures event in Lisbon here on Monday. One of the reasons why I'm here in Lisbon. So, like, my hot take here is like we're we're, we're looking. Um, a circle spectrum with every single color of the universe in it, right? You're like yellow, red, blue. It's like a spectrum, it's a sphere of, of color spectrums. And around it, I have like disciplines of knowledge, economics, physics, finance, anthropology, political science, sociology, physics, uh, psychology. And like my, my hot take here is that like money is actually like the space between these disciplines. Like money, like money doesn't just emerge until many other things also emerge like m- other things like other things have to be are, be are the prerequisites to get to money right and so you're you know, saying like, like, like money a, money as a protocol m- money as like a, a social coordination tool right because yes yeah yes. you're not saying money is the center of uh finance and economics and physics and history and anthropology you're saying mm. it has right, something yeah so like it, it so like money is like kind of gestaltian as in like you need 
a few of these things in order to allow for money to emerge. Mm. Right. And so, uh, for example, like economics in, inside of the economics, you have the subjects of like the role of money, the medium exchange, unit of accounts or value. You have concept of like supply and demand and inflation and deflation. In the physics world, you have the production of money, like hard versus soft money is a function of physics. Mm. Like why did gold win the Darwinian fight of commodity monies? Well, that answer lies in physics. Uh. You have finance and finance can produce money. Credit is a financial concept. Debits and credits are two kinds of entries into a ledger that comes from the world of finance. You have anthropology, right? So different cultures have produced different commodity monies and different ledger monies throughout history. And then these cultures collided and so did their monies. And one money ultimately displaces each other. Uh, Political science. When humans invented armies and organized states, the technology of money gained a new property, the central bank. Uh, And so that's now money has governance. Uh, Then there's sociology, like statehood, money, and society all relate to each other. Now societies vote for governments that makes fiscal and monetary decisions. And these choices are made in mass for all of society. And then there's psychology, because like uh, economic and societal societal choices are all determined at the margins. Every single choice that you make as an individual is an economic one. Do you buy that coffee in the morning? Do you take the train, an Uber, a personal vehicle? Do you store your savings in Argentine peso or Bitcoin? These choices reverberate through the rest of the system. And so my take is that money is, is, is a technology that is at the center of so many other disciplines. And I when see. we're just like cavemen with like stone tools, you don't get any money because you don't have any of the other disciplines that allowed for money to emerge. But money as a technology gets more sophisticated the more knowledge we have. And another way to maybe interpret this is in order to understand money, and the reason so few I think understand it, you have to understand a little bit about economics, physics, yep. history, anthropology, political science, sociology, psychology, and finance. Like no wonder that's it's literally difficult. the line in my talk. It's like a money one one talk. <laughs> but you know what? The the the, the on the flip side. The best way to learn about these disciplines and the reason why I personally find crypto endlessly fascinating. I mean, like, I know a lot a lot of people are here for kind of like the, uh, you know, just the the dopamine hits of watching the, the pr- go up, price yeah. go up. And I'm not going to lie. That's that's great. You know, like investing right. is, is fantastic and seeing number go up and that, that's that's all great. But uh, the reason I've stayed here is because it's just so intellectual. Like, it's so freaking interesting. And it's the best way to learn all of these disciplines as well. Because Mm -hmm. money and a study of crypto will teach you all of these things. The one thing I would add, if if you were to say crypto money on top of this, you'd also Mm -hmm. have to, like, put cryptography and, like, Mm, technology to to Mm -hmm. surround the circle and and round this out along with all of those other um, disciplines, which is why... We have endless content to cover on Bankless, right. my friend. <laughs> We're never yeah, going to run out. You're looking at a, a spectrum of Bankless content right here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. All right. What are you bullish on, David? Uh, I'm bullish on money, Ryan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> With the I context think by definition, that you just gave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like the... I think people often forget, I think especially in the year 2023 in this industry, like how important money is as one of the functions of crypto, hmm. especially as we are going there, we're like Janet Yellen just said, oh yeah, we can totally afford two wars. Yeah, no and problem. sure, Janet, Janet Yellen, we can totally afford two wars if we take it out of the money, out of the US dollar. The value comes out of the dollar, which is where people make their their savings, which is where the this, future. Call, it's where it comes from the future. It comes from people and then people's individual psychologies are like, well, my dollars are 
bad now. And so I need to ask for more dollars for my employer so I can live. Mm. And so it, it reverberates throughout the system, right? And then all of a sudden, if you have a defective money, you have a defective society. And so I'm, I'm just having a, a, a reminder. It's like, yo, money, if there's one thing that crypto produces that we need it to produce, it's money. And so it's a reminder to be bullish about money. Money is why we're here. If we can fix money, you can fix the world. Tip of the hat to, can't believe I'm saying this, but Saifedina Moose. Um, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. you're saying that either. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, hold on. I'm finding it. David, while you're saying this, uh, you know, I, I want to pull up this like absurdist uh, tweet. And this is actually, this is real. So it's only struck me as absurd. This, this is this. This is a, a headline I saw. Japan to approve $110 billion stimulus package to fight inflation. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> you don't you don't spend money to fight inflation. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's exactly what you're talking about, though. Uh, mm-hmm. An understanding of money will make this uh, pretty obvious. Oh, our friend Preston Pish is there because we need more made up money to have less uh, money. <laughs> yeah. See, see, Bitcoiners understand money. They don't they understand do. Bitcoin, but they understand money. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> you made a lot of people mad right there. Yeah. All right, uh-huh. ask me, David. Ask me. Uh, I will, Ryan. What are you bullish on? Uh, you know what's on that theme? I'm I'm bullish on Ether, Ether as money, okay? In particular, oh, I just want to say, <laughs> you, you were talking about, uh, uh, obviously, a lot of tokens have had big pumps uh, yep. here lately. Um, I am not surprised Solana had such a monumental pump. I think it was kind of like mm-hmm. it's off uh, massive lows, you know, 97% right. down. But I think- For context, it's back up to its pre-FTX, right before FTX. Yes. Collapse. What I think people are doing now, though, is they're forgetting about Ether, okay? They're, oh, yeah. they're starting to fade Ether. Ether isn't cool anymore. It's not cool anymore because it hasn't pumped the way uh, Soul has over the, the last 30 days. So I'm hearing even like some seasoned ETH people starting to like um, worry, maybe? Starting to like wonder, did I miss something? I'm not saying anyone that listens to Bankless is like this, but my message is this. <laughs> oh, you guys are too bearish on ETH right now, okay? <laughs> if you are one of those people... Because look at the landscape. Uh, there's a bunch of execution layers out there. There's layer twos. I consider Solana an execution layer. Mm-hmm. Um, take your pick. There's only one settlement layer, and that's Ethereum. Do you know how I know this? Because Ethereum is the only chain that has other chains that settle on top of it. Right. Ethereum mm-hmm. is the only chain that from 2019 okay, to this year, 2023, went from about 19 million annually in blockchain uh, sales to like 1.2 billion in annualized uh, blockchain sales, it is the only chain that is producing profitable block space. Okay, That makes it a settlement layer. And I think that is um, the market is not appreciating that right now. I think the market is doing some narrative type trading. And that's fine. You know what's going to happen. But I feel like too many people are fading ETH. And you know who agrees with me? His previous mm. bankless guest, uh, Chow Wang. He says this, mm. hilarious that ETH is now the most hated asset in crypto. And yet ETH has objectively the largest dev community, arguably better long-term security than Bitcoin. For most retail, if they could only own one crypto asset as part of the concentrated portfolio, it would be ETH. That's still my take, man. Whenever someone asks me, I'm like, ETH. Yeah, I, I, I saw the, uh, the Bitcoin plus, plus Solana barbell case, and I'm like, where have I heard this before? Well, Yo. tell people. Some people missed it. Where have we heard that before? 
You know, it was like DeFi summer. It was DeFi, it was after like nine months of DeFi tokens of absolutely mooning in price. Bitcoin was mooning in price and Ether wasn't doing anything. And they were like, Bitcoin and and DeFi tokens, these are the barbells. You're like, why do you need Ether? It's, it's all you need. Now people are doing like, it's it's Bitcoin for the money because they know they in the back of their head, they're like, yeah, Bitcoin for the money, Solana for the tech. Yeah. Um, and to me, like Solana people mo- mostly know their shit. If you're going to say that Bitcoin is the money, to me, it just reveals your bias because we know Bitcoin is broken money and they know <laughs> it too. And there's and they're just saying like, no, no, just no Ethereum, oh, no. just Bitcoin and soul. It's all you need. It's like oh, to me, it man. just reveals the cards. I'm just, I, I'm just I pull up one more tweet while we yeah, you can, you can. Yeah, we're ranting. It's, it's our show. We can do what we want. What's your tweet? Okay. You want to read this one first? Yeah, uh, this is someone by the name of Maddie. Describe rollups, but leave out the typical jargon. No Ethereum, you can't say layer two, you can't say scaling, or you can't say multi-sig. So the answer that I gave for this is, what is a rollup? It is a ledger contained inside of a single line of a larger ledger. What, Ryan, is a settlement layer? Yeah. It's the it's the one that a isn't contained by any other larger ledger. Yeah. <laughs> It's the king ledger. It's the, it's the, uh, king the ledger. substrate. It's the final settlement layer. Right. Yeah. Which is ETH. Well, until until there are other chains that are settling other ledgers, right. uh, I think Ether has an incredibly strong value proposition. I'm not worried at mm-hmm. all about these recent moves. Um, feeling quite comfy. David, let's get to the meme of the week. This is uh, this is an old meme. Kind of kind of checked out. It is uh, two people. It's a guy and a girl, and the guy is doing the hand heart thing where you're like, <laughs> you, the other, the girl matches the heart, and the girl's just got like a thumbs up. This man and has the girl, been the girl is, you know, thumbs up is yeah. Sam Bankman freed, and the guy trying to do the heart <laughs> is FTX depositors. They're not, they're not getting it. They're can can this be our last uh, Sam Bankman Fried meme ever? As soon as uh, as soon as he's he, so memeable, he's so memeable. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I can't we guarantee can't, that. We can't commit to that. Well, there you go, Bankless Nation. Thanks for staying tuned. This has been the roll up, and with some disclosures and then risks in a minute. Bankless Ventures, of course, invested in Modulus. We told you about that earlier. I'm an angel investor in Dune Analytics as well. Both David and I are long-term ETH holders. We also hold Bitcoin, other assets. You can always view our, our disclosures at bankless.com slash disclosures. Let me end with this as I do. You got to know that crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. And please enjoy this moment of Zen from Kyla Scanlon, who in this Zoomer fashion way explains the Federal Reserve. Hey there, Fed Chair Jerome Powell. I have no surprises for you today, except for my tie is silver and I'm not wearing glasses. So we have pause and rates are unchanged. This is because the economy is an economy. It is doing what it does. Inflation is somewhat cooling. The labor market, somewhat cooling. The bond market, freaking out. So that did our job for us a little bit. Tighter financial and credit conditions, basically a couple of rate hikes. We have maintained optionality by taking a break, by saying, hey, maybe we'll date again soon. We don't think that the rise in long-term bond yields it's because of policy rates. Hey, nobody really knows, just like nobody knows if you're doing all the Recession not in the forecast rate, steady economy zooming thanks to you. Can you keep doing it? Can you keep spending lots of money on things? So we will keep that door open and maintain optionality and call you back a couple times a week to say, hey, because there are a lot of things going on. Have to ask, is inflation cooling? Ask, is the market happy? And can that rock keep rolling up that hill?